0: Well, hello there. It's great to see you again, and welcome back to another installment of Your Money and a Cup of Joe. I'm your host and moderator, Ryan Ruff, but you knew that already, and we've got Joe Kaleo joining us momentarily, star of the show of Kaleo Wealth Management Group. He'll be with us to dive into another wealth management-related conversation, and I'm excited about this one today for a, a number of reasons, but probably most of all because We've skated across the surface of this topic before in past conversations, but today we're taking a little bit of a deeper dive into it. What I'm talking about is really this idea of succession planning for family businesses. You know, as Joe and I have hit before, family wealth can be a little bit of a sticky situation to navigate sometimes and getting everybody on the same page when it comes to the goals and the aspirations of the wealth. That's, that's step one, boy, is that ever so important. But when it comes to having a family business, a true family business within those ranks of the family and then the succession process and that planning coming along boy there can be some opportunities for uh for problems to initiate and i'd love to you know bring joe on and, and get our conversation rolling on this front so let's go ahead and get get him up here joe good to see you how you doing today
1: doing great ryan great to see you i'm excited for today's topic
0: yeah, me too, Joe, and I, I think a safe place for us to start would be to say that family conflicts, man, boy, can they wreck havoc uh, when it comes to a family-run business. I mean, especially when it comes time to transfer that ownership of the company to a, you know, a younger generation. So, Joe, let's just start with that high-level overview. Let's get our audience warmed up to this topic. How important is a succession plan overall when there's a family business in the picture? Ryan, it is paramount
1: to have a succession plan laid out, communicated, and reviewed regularly leading up to the time of that change, right? Let's think about this for a second. Only 30% of second-generation businesses and only 10% of third-generation businesses succeed. That's due in part for many factors, but part of it is because the succession plan may not have ever been put in place or laid out and communicated properly, right? There are eight different ways a business may continue on for internal, for external. And so if they're internal and it's going to family members, whether they run it or they're just inheriting the stock and hiring somebody else, making sure that transition is laid out and executed is paramount. So let's talk about that today, shall we?
0: Yes, please. So I think a good place to might even get us started is to back up a step almost and say, you know, Joe, how would a family that has a business in their ranks assess just their overall need or whether they have a need for succession planning in the first place?
1: Let's start by saying everyone has a need. Why? The business owner, when it's a going entity, is there to take care of both technical and people aspects every day. But when it transitions to the next generation, if there's a 70% failure rate and making sure that the 30% are going to succeed, the business owner has seen and experienced ways to overcome to be successful to get you to the point of transition. So if that's the case, why not why why doesn't everyone have a succession plan for both the technical and the people aspects of the business, right? So you should lay it out in fine detail and explore all the possibilities as much as possible a couple of years in advance, if at all possible. And it usually is possible. They don't think that way, but they should lay it out in advance, talk it through, back test it to some extent or stress test it to use another term that we've talked about on other podcasts stress test it with the people in place to see
0: if it will hold up for that next generation so joe we've we've now touched on the why let's get into the how how should a family that owns a business just start this process of ultimately creating that well you know executed succession plan
1: well, you want to make sure that the plan is flexible and adaptable because let's take for example ryan if the kids are going grown-up kids probably at this point are going to work in the business you want to make sure that they're capable and if they're not something in the plan has to be determined if they're not who then steps in and who's going to make the determination if they are capable and able to stay in that position So flexibility is the key, and adaptability is the key. Who's going to be in charge? Who's the final decision maker in all of this? And is everyone working in the business, or are there some stockholders but not working in the business? All of that needs to be addressed in your plan. But make it adaptable and flexible and review it from time to time. Because you never know, something could happen to one of those kids unexpectedly, or someone may decide, you know, I thought I wanted to work in the family business, but no, I want to go off and do something else and on my own. And so if that happens, what happens in a case like that? So flexibility, adaptability, and reviewing it periodically are all an important part of the process of making sure the succession plan is in place and ready to go.
0: Sure. And and it's a well-oiled plan at that when you've got those three elements at play, Joe. But I would imagine if it's not a well-oiled plan, those three elements aren't at play on a regular basis. The opportunity for issues arises. So talk to me about this idea of family conflicts and boy, how that can enter the picture and how a well-crafted succession plan can keep family harmony afloat.
1: I I can think of a time uh, where I had a business owner who was passing away and he was aware of it and didn't do the formal succession plan. And he thought in his mind, we've gotten along great as a family all these years. I have no doubt they will continue. And unfortunately today there is acrimony amongst mom and the sons. And in that regard, they haven't gotten along and one says, I know he would have wanted this, and someone else says, I know he would have wanted that. And had he had a succession plan and a methodology to resolve conflict, not only who would have made the final decision, but how to execute the decision-making process would have gone a long way so everyone would have been clear what he would have wanted, right? Everyone thinks they know what he's wanted, I also heard a different story from their stories, ironically, and so you can, if you lay it out in print, it's there for everyone to go back and it's memorialized as the guiding principles and values for the future generation. The business has not been the same since that time, Ryan.
0: Yeah, I I can totally understand why and how that, how important ultimately that is to get into the weeds really of the succession plan. Literally, like you just mentioned, Joe, the decision-making process itself in the event of conflict. I mean, that is so granular within that succession plan, but boy, is it ever so important to avoid issues like the collapse of a, you know, a household name, maybe of a a family business. So Joe, beyond the, the family harmony element. Let's dive into now maybe just how a well-crafted succession plan could also just help address the technical issues of the business itself. How how does that happen?
1: Yeah, let's talk technical for a second, right? Mm -hmm. I think of several topics that come into play, taxes. So the passing of the business from one generation to the next could have taxable implications. How do those taxes get addressed? Who pays them? What's the timeline? How does that get paid? So that's one of the areas of technical area expertise. Of of course, the business and estate planning attorneys should be involved. The accountant should be involved. But making sure all of the advisors to the person and to the entity should be involved in the decision-making and recommendation process, right? So that's, that's one, for example. Understanding who the players are from the family and understanding what they're going through personally. So for example, if a family member is in divorce or going through a divorce or potentially going through divorce, what happens to their shares if that were to happen? Or if somebody were to file for bankruptcy, what happens to their shares at that time? So having the succession plan in place for some potential legal aspects to the second generation or if it's then a third generation business right what happens to shares at that point or if someone were to pass away do they then go to that third generation of heirs or does it come back to then the operating generation along the way these are all questions that the founder if you would has to address or the operating uh, generation has to address so they understand what is it that they want to see going forward now plans, Ryan, are always best when put in place, but we talked about adaptability and reviewing, right? Because it's not going to solve everything. At some point, you could still have somebody that's so upset that acrimony sets in and a lawsuit could come around. So it's designed to be a plan, but it won't satisfy for everything.
0: So Joe, I hear you loud and clear on that. Would. What- do you have any advice then for those that are listening, those that are watching our conversation today on taking all of these goals and all these elements that we've we've now discussed and really materializing them and getting them into a formal succession plan? Any advice on that front?
1: Yeah, there's two parts, right? There are the collective documents for the business and the yeah. personal documents for the person, right? Because let's go back you could have the documents for the entity for the business itself as to who the founder or who the leading generation wants in place to run the business. But then there's the personal documents as to, okay, uh, you know, young man wants to run the business, but the young woman may not, but he still, uh, he and she, the founding generation, want to still provide an equal share. And so we've talked about, for example, in a previous podcast, life insurance, they may provide life insurance to then go to the generation that would equalize what they would have received from the business, but then the son can continue to run the business. And so that way they can equalize what happens. And so the collective documents for the business and the personal documents for the personal estate can help satisfy both entities. And having somebody overlook both sides of this is very important. Still being adaptable, still being reviewed, but something that's looked at as an overall wealth planning strategy.
0: Joe, as you're going through some of these conversations with clients that are going through the succession planning process, uh, do you ever find that there are issues that maybe they're not even aware about? That had they not addressed them, boy, would they have been some unwelcome surprises? You know, are there any kind of, red herrings, if you will, to be on the lookout for when going through this process?
1: Yeah, I think part of it is in the crafting, but the review process, right? Did something miss something at the time or did something get overlooked or was it, oh, that's not important. We'll get back to that later. And then it wasn't reviewed. And sure enough, it wasn't. So there was indeed a a piece of property that wasn't reviewed, that was part of the business for one business owner that was in his personal name when he passed. And it should have been in the personal name. And it did create some logistics, legal logistics, the family had to go through to sort of equalize things out. But because it just accidentally got overlooked within either the document signing process or the review process, That was just one example of someone missing something somewhere along the way. We're not sure who it was, and it really doesn't matter at this point. But being able to oversee all of it at some point and having that reviewed helps to have those few things that may have been missed not be missed in the future.
0: Joe, you had mentioned earlier about the importance of making sure that the plan is looked at over time and adhered to over time. And my my knee-jerk question is almost why, because you think of the succession plan as that, you know, you're preparing for that moment, right? That the ownership is transferred down. Okay. That moment's done. We're past it. Why is the plan still relevant? Talk to me about why it should really be adhered to over time, because it is, there's, there's a lot still up in the air floating.
1: Ryan, don't we always hear when there's a change in Congress that tax rules are changing, isn't that almost a perpetual conversation every two to four years? And when that happens, the numbers change, which then impacts tax changing, a uh, tax uh, tax preparation and then the potential structure for a business or the potential succession planning for the business owner. So yes, it's constantly changing. And knowing that, They may raise or lower the estate tax exemption or any other capital gains tax, for example. If those numbers then change, that could impact someone's plan. And if it impacts their plan, we ought to review that. And so that's one of the small things that people don't think about, but then they need to think about. They may not have to spend a whole lot of time. We may just go right back in, look at a wealth plan, and then say, yes, everything's fine. Great. We're done in 15 to 30 minutes. But on the other hand, and I've seen business owners this year say, you know what, what I designed 10 years ago doesn't change, it needs to change drastically. Their picture may not have changed nearly as much as the rules have changed. And so, from that standpoint, they need to review their plan.
0: Sure. I appreciate that because it, my my thought was, you know, once that transition of ownership happens, okay, is there that need? Well, okay. There's a lot that can still change within the financial landscape outside of the business. And therefore those changes will impact that succession plan. So appreciate you clearing that up, Joe. And, uh, you know, Joe, as we're kind of bringing our conversation to a head on, on succession planning overall, uh, uh you know, obviously it's something that you work with on your, you know, with your clients at Kaleo Wealth Management, uh, frequently. If anybody's out there listening, watching our conversation today, maybe they're interested in reaching out to you and your team to just get that conversation started, to really pick your team's brain. How would they go about getting in touch with you guys?
1: Give us a call, reach out, uh, reach out to us through the internet. I think the thing that I want them to consider is how much have they communicated and they may not be comfortable talking all about it. They might like us to just come in and sort of moderate the conversation right? Have the conversation, the organizing conversation of what they want to communicate, and we can lay out a timeline and topics and then just go through the succession of the succession plan, if you will, right? Because they understand that they want the business to continue, which is why they've taken the steps to even consider how does the business go forward, but then making sure that all of these checks and balances are laid out in a methodical manner that they can then be successful. No one builds this up to only see it fail, right? They want to see it continue. We can help them do that. I look forward to the chance to do
0: that. Awesome. Well, Joe, hey, look, I so appreciate you carving some time out of your day to walk us through succession planning. Is there any final thoughts you might have on this idea of, you know, really what I've gathered from our conversation today is that by, by, Implementing a well-thought-out succession plan, you can maintain family harmony and address the technical side of things to make sure all the I's are dotted and T's are crossed and the business stays afloat properly moving forward. Anything, any final thoughts you wanna share with our audience before we go?
1: I do, I wanna share one more. It's as much about the people as it is about the product or the process, right? It is as much about who you have in place and how to help them as it is about the going entity, because oftentimes it is the people that makes the business successful. That's the area that I look forward to helping with the most. Awesome.
0: Well, Joe, again, thank you for your time today. We appreciate you jumping aboard and I'm looking forward to chatting with you on the next one.
1: Thanks, Ryan. Have a good one.
0: Alrighty, awesome. Well, hey, look, we want to take one final moment as always to thank you, of course, our audience for joining us on today's episode. And if you've heard me say it once, I'll say it a thousand times. If you like the content today, you enjoyed the conversation, please comment on the show, subscribe to it on the platform you're checking us out on. And then of course, share this information with friends, family, business owners, because these conversations are meant for you guys. They're ultimately meant to tap into Joe's experiences within the wealth management world. And then of course, help maybe apply them to your own financial portfolio and we've got a lot of great conversations teed up for you down the road that we'd hate for you to miss out on. So for Joe Caleo, I'm Ryan Ruff. We're saying so long and we thank you so much for joining us on today's edition of Your Money and a Cup of Joe. This presentation is for informational and educational purposes only and should not be relied upon as investment advice or the basis for making any investment decisions. The views and opinions expressed may not be those of UBS Financial Services Incorporated. UBS Financial Services Incorporated does not verify and does not guarantee the accuracy or completeness of the information presented. This material is made available for use by CEG. Neither UBS Financial Services Incorporated nor any of its employees provide tax or legal advice. You should consult with your personal tax or legal advisor regarding your personal circumstances. As a firm providing wealth management services to clients, UBS Financial Services Incorporated offers investment advisory services in its capacity as an SEC registered investment advisor and brokerage services in its capacity as an SEC registered broker dealer. Investment advisory services and brokerage services are separate and distinct, differ in material ways, and are governed by different laws and separate arrangements. It is important that clients understand the ways in which we conduct business, that they carefully read the agreements and disclosures that we provide to them about the products or services we offer. For more information, please review the PDF document at ubs.com slash relationship summary. UBS Financial Services Incorporated is a subsidiary of UBS AG, member FINRA, member SIPC. Joe Kaleo at Kaleo Wealth Management Group, UBS Financial Services Incorporated. Office address 200 West Highway 6, Suite 400 in Waco, Texas, 76712.